Hello, college football fans, and welcome to episode 52 of College Football Throwdown. I am your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I am joined by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Hello, fans. How you doing today? That's right. We're all doing good on this uh, Sunday afternoon after an amazing day of college football. Um, it really was. I mean, the the lineup of games was phenomenal. Right. Although we're going to talk about it, uh, I think, you know, it kind of it gives and takes because next week there's very little in terms of exciting matchups. Um, mm. it, it's, it's a little bit of a slump before then the last week, obviously, you have all the rivalry games. So that's always a fun week. Um, right. But we'll get into that. Um, and then uh, first thing we're going to talk about today is our... Uh, our predictions against the Minnesota game for Nebraska versus Minnesota. And then we're going to get into uh, some discussion about our coaching situation once again, um, as well as then what happened on Saturday uh, for the national discussion and what that means for the uh, college football playoff rankings. They'll be announced on Tuesday. All sorts of fun stuff. Uh, but, right. before, but before we get into that, I believe you have our beverage to crack. I do. I do. And hopefully you guys can hear this. But I'm drinking. Old, I went old school today. I'm drinking a Miller High Life today. So here we go. There we go. There we go. Went, went old, old school. Old school. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Uh, so yes, on uh, you know, I was I was bragging on the last podcast that I'd been doing better in the predictions game overall than you had <laughs> yes, been. Yes, you had. Uh, yeah, that's but, true. But uh, that might have changed as of last time because <laughs> uh, I predicted a. Uh, Nebraska victory over Minnesota of one point, 28-27, um, whereas you predicted a loss of 21-31 with Minnesota. Uh, but the actual score ended up being 54-21, so uh, neither of us were prepared for the magnitude of suckage we were pre- we were going to be seeing on Saturday. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was, well, I, I think I may have described when I gave my prediction that, that there was a chance it could get ugly, uh, and it did. Yeah. Well, and what was, I mean, to start with, you know, literally the first play of the game was them getting a kickoff return for a touchdown. Yeah. So yeah. I was worried there, but then like uh, we had a nice drive to start the game and then they had oh, yeah. a drive against us. And I was like, okay, you know, our offense looked pretty good there though. So I thought, okay, this might be a bit of a score fest, you know, and we're gonna have to fight to win back that uh, seven points that we lost on special teams. But I thought that uh, we had a chance um, but it just seemed like our guys were uh, just well, de- did not defense- have any motivation yeah, to play. Absolutely, defensively, um, our guys were were not using any of their of what they were trained to do. They were not tackling properly. They were not taking the right angles. I mean, there were so many fundamental things about how we were playing that football game that were just flat out poorly executed that no matter how you lined up or whatever you were doing or had in terms of individual matchups, collectively, we were not positioning ourselves to be successful. Yeah, no, it was, it was painful to watch at a certain point. Um, it was into the, uh, in the second half, I think after they had scored, you know, again, it was like 30 something to nothing or not, not nothing, but you know, 14. Yeah, it was 30-something to 14, or maybe it was in the 40s by that point, I don't remember. Um, it was like the fourth quarter. I kept li- uh, watching the game, but I was listening to it on the radio 
because uh, I was prepping to go somewhere. I was kind of like, okay, I've decided I'm going to go to this place uh, rather than keep watching this game. So I'll just listen to it instead. And I believe yeah. you. Uh, Ironically, I did the same thing. Uh, I stopped list. I stopped watching the game because I, I was equally frustrated and sick of, of watching what I thought was um, a combination of continued, you know, inappropriate decision-making on both offense and defense. Uh, but, but equally frustrating was uh, what I perceived to be a, a lack of effort. And I don't mean that the guys weren't, weren't running hard or whatever, although there might have been even a little bit of that. It was more about the fact that when they tried to tackle, they weren't even, they weren't even putting them, themselves in a position to make the proper tackle. They were allowing themselves to tackle high and letting you know, Minnesota's running backs look like they were all ready for the Heisman Trophy and, and breaking tackles left and right. It was just ridiculous. And that is just fundamentals. That's breakdown of fundamentals. And the fact that the guys aren't even doing that is a, is a huge indictment of, uh, of where the, the team is, uh, co- collective psyche is right now, where they're not even doing the basic things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and so you were watching the UCF game while you listened to our game? C- correct, correct. Then I, I switched over to the UCF game to say, you know what, I'm going to go and educate myself a little bit about about Scott's uh, team and, 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 and how he, um, you know, um, his offensive and defensive um, teams looked and things of that nature. So that's what I was doing. And then I was also doing some other flipping around uh, too, just to look at some other games and, and, and uh, hopes of maybe identifying uh, coaching candidates because I have a feeling there's going to be an opening in Lincoln after uh, the I- Iowa game. Yeah, well, and I was thinking, I, I mean, after that game, you know, we get M- Minnesota, who, by the way, um, apparently had multiple injuries, like they were talking about, like all these people in their secondary that were injured, so they're playing new guys and things like that. And this is a and team that was... And we take advantage of it. Right, and this is a team that was four and five, um, right. you know, just like we were. And so, one and five in the Big Ten. Exactly. I mean, they were three and oh in non-conference because they, they had a cushy, soft non-con uh, and, and then, uh, um, uh, so they, yeah, they were the bottom of the barrel and now we are. Right. Well, and cause, uh, just the previous week they played Michigan, their offense had looked totally inept and yet against us, they ended up putting up 54 points and 500 yards. Yeah. Yeah, so. God, uh, it's it's hard to even mention that. <laughs> yeah, well, and l- listening to the radio broadcast, I mean, the 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 color commentator guy was just like, you know, you could tell he was like down in the dumps and like how oh, how, yeah, how Matt, do we how do we oh, get to this point? Exactly. Oh, I, trust me, Matt wanted wanted to explode. You could just sense that Davison was ready to, uh, ready to, uh, you know, really just pop the cork and and start venting uh and he was doing everything he could to bite his tongue and 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 say moderate things rather than you know things that might get him fired as the color commentator of nebraska football yeah um and another factor was that uh tanner lee didn't come out in the second half which is a little confusing at first took him a while to explain that um he was not feeling well he was feeling sick i saw something uh, online that said something about an impact migraine that he right. had. Yeah. And I, I've never heard that term before. 
Um, uh, so I don't really know what that means. Uh, you know, um, but bo- bottom line is, is he got his bell rung and rather than calling saying, Oh, he's going through concussion protocol. Cause as soon as you start using the word concussion, then, then all kinds of, uh, red flags get flown up, you know, as far as procedure and what you got to do and uh, availability for next week and, you know, all those kinds of things. So that's, that's why they're, I starting to come up with new new descriptions for basically getting your bell rung mm-hmm. uh, because there, there needs to be degrees of bell ringing, if you will. Right. right. Uh, a full blown, this guy may be pre concussed or concussed versus this guy got hit in the head and he needs some time to clear his head, but it's not a concussion type of thing. Right. And so, um, and the problem is, is that there's all kinds of legal implications of all that now right uh with with the knowledge that we have today so so that's why they're coming up with these new phrases in my opinion yep yep and looking at some of the stats we won't spend too long on this but um well probably the 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 deciding one of the whole game that just sums it up is that we had 33 rushing attempts for 69 yards whereas they had yeah. 45 for 409 yeah, um, they were just that's just ridiculous running all over us. Yeah, we looked like we I mentioned to you while we watched the game. We looked like we were totally uh, unprepared for dealing with a running quarterback because there were several times right. where he dropped back in the pocket, you know, and we had good coverage. But then, you know, the line, you know, spread out. And so he was just able to, like, duck past the guy and sprint and get the get the first down on a third down, third and long yep. kind of situation. Yep. yep, absolutely. Yep. Well, and just and then just the that open field tackling, the angles, the trying to tackle high, you know, all these fundamental things that should be, uh, you know, at, at you know during game ten of the season should be non-issues, and we had guys that were basically playing not to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Right, which you know, I, I guess that I mean it's no secret on the team that Mike Riley is done. You know, so especially the people who aren't seniors are probably thinking of it in those terms. Like, okay, I want to, you know, uh, be be the most ready for the next guy who comes in or whatever. Um, which right. you would hope would be, you know, let, let's do something impressive here so that the new coach sees that I'm good. Um, you know, I was uh, bringing up the fact that uh, there's uh, Tommy Frazier has a uh, Husker podcast that I've listened to a few times. And I just know that on his uh, episode on this game, he's going to be uh, upset at Patrick O'Brien for not like coming out, you know, with like fire and like I'm being brought in as the quarterback for the University of Nebraska. You know, this is my chance to like prove myself, you know. And he didn't play right. like awful, but he definitely was not. Uh, he also was um, not into it. No, exactly. He looked like he didn't want to play. He he had his hands in his in in that little you know hand warmer thing that they put on the quarterback. He constantly had his hands in in the hand warmer when he's literally he's jogging out to the uh, to the huddle after the discussion you know with the team collectively on the sidelines before a new series, and he's jogging out there with his hands still. Uh, in his back it's just an odd weird thing you know it's not a competitive look at all and then when he's out there you know you don't see him fired up engaging the team or anything he's just kind of going through the motions he he just looked like he was going through the motions Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, that's kind of how it was for the whole team and not not doing the motions well like you said you know we're missing basic tackling and all this stuff 
Exactly. Um, and, awful. And the same sort of things of, you know, uh, going for, like, there was a long pass, I remember, to the end zone on first down, you know, that I knew that you hated right away. And, you know, it's the same yep. play calling issues and on defense as well, you know, just the same stuff Again, we've been reiterating. Exactly. Uh, basic things like when, when you're when you're struggling on defense, what you need more than anything is first down so you can buy yourself your defensive team some time to to um, rest and and have some discussion to, to get themselves re reorganized and to adjust to whatever it is that the other team is doing. Um, but they're not uh, you know, that wasn't even a consideration. And they seem to just keep throwing the ball way deeper than it has to be thrown, uh, way, way more complicated situations instead of doing some basic little rollouts and stuff to just just chunk it down the field. Let's get six or seven yards uh, a pop and let's do this two or three times, bing, bang, boom, and buy ourselves a couple first downs. Now, you can't do that continuously because eventually the play action doesn't work, but you can do it a few times. And, and, and you have to pick those opportunities when you need first downs, you need just to stabilize things for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's good to possess the ball, yeah. even if you don't score. Yeah. And so uh, just today, I believe it was announced that um, Butch Jones at Tennessee was fired from his job. Uh, not a mm-hmm. surprise, you know, for those of us no. who have been following the season. Um, but it was making me think, you know, I mean, after this game, if there was any doubt about Mike Riley's future, which I think there was, you know, we were like, if he could somehow pull up the miracle here and get to get us to a bowl game, you know, or get us to, right. I mean, what it would have been eight and uh, eight and four like, would have been the best he could have done if he had somehow beaten all three teams left on the schedule. Right. Um, but yeah, after this, I mean, now you know, and to lose not just to lose the Minnesota, but lose bad to right. such a and now and now we're faced with going to Penn State, uh, a Penn State team who's who's pissed because they they stumbled, uh, they stubbed their toe and and um, you know really set themselves back in terms of of their position um, and what this season could have been. And so, you know, and and I'm guessing that it's there's, it's probably their last home game. So I bet it's going to be senior day for Penn State with, you know, a Heisman Trophy candidate at running back. You know that they're going to play very well, and um, and we could get our asses handed to us. And if that's the case, I I kind of wonder if after the Penn State game, I I can see why um, our athletic director would not make a decision this week. And there's a number of reasons for that Uh, going into the Penn state game. I don't think you want an interim coach to be burdened with that. I think you, you leave it on Mike Ryler to, to, to ride this storm out and to do his best to, to hold this thing together. Right. Uh, And then, and you get past the Penn state game. Then once you get past the Penn state game, I mean, now you only got one game left and you know, none of the coaches that are really critical on his target list, whether you know whether it's it's Scott or others are going to be making a decision in that le- in that week's time, in my opinion. So I just don't see it happening before the Iowa game. I, I would uh, I would be shocked, frankly, if they did it because I I don't know that there's great value in doing so. I think he's going to be able to, you know. Now that doesn't mean he's not going to be already lining some things up behind the scenes, 
but but the, there's not going to be a formal decision until after the Iowa game. Right. I, I see your point there. Um, I guess I just also don't see, you know, if we lost by, you know, if we if Minnesota could put 54 points on us, you know, we're going to go play Penn State next week. I don't see what the difference between having an interim in there and Mike Riley, if this is the kind of team that he's, you know, putting out on the field at this point, I'd be well, like, uh, you know. It's, it's... It's it's more about why put the team and everything in disarray and and remove a coach um, uh, from that circumstance when it, it it's already pretty clear. So so put the expectation on the coach to finish out the season, do the best he can, and you know give continuity to the players and the team, and see what you can get done, uh, and not put the ugliness on somebody else because again. I wouldn't want him to put it on John Perella, for example, um, um, because I, I'm not sure they would choose either of the coordinators because they've, they're both so uh, awful. <laughs> uh, so I could see them maybe going to the local guy, to the Nebraska kid, which would be John Perella, and say, hey, John, would you, would you be our interim coach for a couple of weeks? And now John has to be the guy that takes this beating and, and it becomes part of his record as a head coach this massive loss to Penn state and possibly a massive loss to Iowa. I mean, why would you want that? So let, let make, put the burden on the head coach and say, Hey, it, it's time for you to have some pride. You know, he keeps talking, coach Riley keeps talking about the players need to find the pride within themselves. Bullshit. You need to have some pride as a coach and you need to come into that locker room and demand it. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm I, I'm yeah. well, so frustrated and disappointed. It's not funny. I, I was uh, I was impressed watching the Minnesota game. I'm uh, was it TJ their coach, um, I, I, Fleck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I thought it was cool just watching him on the sidelines. You know, he's there like sprinting down the sidelines like along with the players. Like when you would and when ha- uh, the quarters would switch. Quarters. You know, yeah. and and he was you know getting into it, you know, and like cheering the players on and high-fiving them when they came back and that sort of thing, yep, um, which yep. I'm not saying that that's the coaching philosophy for everyone. Cause obviously it isn't, but you know, there's definitely an appeal of having a younger guy who has that energy. Certainly. Yes, I agree. Um, which I, like. I agree. Um, yep. And then at, also on the radio broadcast, um, I believe it was that uh, Matt um, was bringing up that three years ago at, at, at this time, um, we were uh, like eight and one, uh, you know, like num- ranked number twelve in the nation or something like that. Um, and now uh, I think that's true. Right before we lost the next two games, you know, and we're nine and three and in bad fashion, if I recall correctly. Right, um, right. Which is right before um, uh, uh, Bo Pelini Bo got had fired. His meltdown. Right, right, and the big meltdowns and all that stuff. But it was, and it was just making me think, like I. I think honestly we made a mistake. Looking back on it, I mean, obviously we made a mistake hiring Mike Riley, but I, I almost think you know, I mean, I'd rather be dealing with Bo's BS and his stupid stuff with the media and the us against the world mentality. I'd rather have all of that garbage of his if we were, you know, looking at a nine and four season r- right now. You know, I, I take you know, all I, of that. I wouldn't. I I I, I was ready for Bo to be be done because he had become caustic he had become uh, you know just a uh, an acidic uh, situation uh, and that was not sustainable it was it wasn't an acceptable circumstance so Bo needed to go but you're you're also right that 
that the Mike Riley experiment has been a failure. Right. Um, and he was the wrong fit right. for what we uh, needed. But the, that Matt guy also mentioned that, you know, he had this uh, poor relationship with the administration that was there at the time, you know, who were right. the people who hired him, which was Sean Oghorst and the like. Um, and we look at it now and it, from things I've been reading, it doesn't appear like Eichhorst did a very good job. Not many people have a very high uh, feeling, thinking of him uh, as right. an athletic director. So maybe, right. you know, Bo was justified to be upset at the administration and all that stuff. Because um, all those guys aren't here now either who were right. criticizing right. him. Yep. Uh, well, I understand. Yep. But, but still, uh, Bo needed to be an adult. And instead, he became the child. And right. and I and I can't get past that with with his demeanor and stuff and 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 um, you know it is what it is. But Bo wasn't going to be our long term answer. No. But we still need to figure out who who could be, and that's the thing that we 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 can be discussing now. Um, but if you want to talk about some of the other games first, we can do that. Uh, uh, and then get back to the Nebraska uh, head coaching job, or do you want to no, talk about that now? No, I figured we'll, let's talk about that now. Um, yeah, UCF okay. played against Connecticut and won 49-24. Uh, I did yeah. not uh, watch the game, but you did. So uh, tell us your, right. your progress report. Okay, well, you know, obviously uh, he's doing a great job in terms of winning football games, and, and um, you know, his team has some character to it, which I like. They've got some unique situations, you know, that I think, uh, you know, Scott has nurtured, um, uh, like, um, um, uh, you know, a walk on who was a past, uh, military veteran, um, you know, who went through some physical ailments because of injury and, um, uh, during his battle, uh, um, you know, um, deployments and, um, um, it's just a really impressive to, to see that he recognized the value of that and what it could do in terms of creating some camaraderie on the team um, and as well as just some other things, some of the players that are playing. Um, he's got one guy that doesn't have a complete arm, but still tackles better than anybody on our defense. Um, so, I mean, it's pretty impressive. Um, but, but at the same time, um, he is, his offense um, is the, the fast paced, um, you know, throw the ball a lot um, um, you know, uh, Oregon-based offensive system. And as a result, his defense also is pretty leaky and d did not look all that impressive in this game. Uh, UConn was moving the ball up and down the field on him um, and, uh, uh, and just kind of stubbed their toe a few times to keep, to keep them from produ producing some more points. And they, they, they produced quite a few against against uh, uh, Central Florida, but, but Central Florida's offense was so prolific and their quarterback well, it was really, uh, is really perfect for what Scott wants to do. What I like about what Scott's doing is, you know, he's got a, he's got a quarterback role that requires a quarterback be a runner and that he has some athleticism, but he has to be able to throw that football. There's no doubt about it. And this guy that he's got now can do those two things. And frankly, because of the popularity of this at the high school level, there's a lot of players who have developed those skills over time. And because they, they're not having to read defenses and stuff like that, because that's now being left on the sidelines, you know, they're looking over to the sidelines, they're doing all that. So there's some elements of that that I'm not real big fan of. Um, I would love it that if Scott was to come to Lincoln, 
that he would bring that with him. He'd bring that fast pace with him and all that sort of stuff, but that he would add some additional uh, sophistication to the running game. And he would, he would integrate some components of, you know, um, the, 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 the traditional option game that, that made us famous and, um, and see if he could just solidify and strengthen the power aspect of, of a team like that. Now, I don't know if he's even interested in doing something like that, but that's what I would like to see. Right. Well, the, the pro- I, I was going to say, I think, and this, I don't remember where I read this. It was like over a month ago, um, somewhere online. But I remember reading that uh, Scott Frost does love um, like uh, traditional option uh, football. And, that, right. you know, I think, you know, part of why he's doing the spread thing at Florida, Central Florida, is because, you know, that that's like kind of the player base that he had when he got there, you know. So mm-hmm. I think he, hopefully he's the type who would adjust a bit, you know, not, right. not totally, but adjust his system to match the, the players right. and the traditions of the school. And certainly and he, he understands what that is in Nebraska. Right. And, 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 I'm, and, I, and I hope and, and if that's true then, then I'm all in. But, but, but I also know that he, you know, he's a guy that philosophically, he really believes strongly in the, in the whole fast pace thing. And generally with the fast pace thing, the thing you give up is power because you, you now need linemen who can get up there, back up to the line of scrimmage, go again, go again, go again. So instead of having those behemoths, like say, um, Wisconsin has, you need you need offensive linemen that are going to be more like 270 or 280, not 310 and 330. You know, so there's a there's a difference in philosophy there that you, you can't have both. Uh, and um, uh, if you're going to go at that pace, you're not going to get guys that are 330 that are able to do that successfully. You see what I mean? Right. Um, but but we'll see. Uh, um, I know at Texas Tech they. They, uh, you know, um, they ran that spread crazy thing uh, for years with um, with the old pirate, and he had offensive linemen that were massive, uh, and yet he went at a very high, f- fast pace. So I'm not saying it can't be done. It's just one of those deals. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. But I, I guess my point is is that you know I'm I'm a big believer that we whoever our next coach is has to be somebody who understands the value of the running game and power football. And the Wisconsin model that we're witnessing up in, in Wisconsin this year again for the umpteenth time, that is the model of what Nebraska needs. Great, aggressive, attacking defense combined with a power-based running team that has enough passing capacity and capability to be effective. Mm-hmm. And that's what Wisconsin represents right now. Yep. And, uh, and that's what I want us to get to. So if, if there was somebody I, w- I want, I, I want Wisconsin's coach, frankly. I, I want that offensive system at Nebraska. Right. Well, I, I once again, I just glanced at like the Nebraska Huskers Reddit page. One of the top things was like uh, X's, and, X's and O's more important than the Jims and Joes, I think. And uh, it was talking about, you know, uh, how important the system and the coaching is, you know, compared to recruiting. Whereas, you know, some people build up recruiting as being, you know, the number one well, thing. Not to say right. that it isn't an important factor because we all know that it is. But Wisconsin, you know, we've out recruited Wisconsin year in and year out. They get like in the 30s, 40s range. And yet right. they're able to, you know, turn those three star players into four star like players through running this particular system of theirs. 
Right. And they have obviously a great strength and conditioning program and they, they believe in their philosophies and their, and their players believe in what they're doing too. And there's a lot to be said about all of those things, but you're, you're absolutely right. Um, now the thing is, Wisconsin's never won anything significant. They've won some big 10 championships. They've occasionally won major bowl games. Although a lot of times when they get to those big bowl games, because they win the big 10 championship, they don't win. Uh, sometimes they do, but but they don't always, you know, I mean, it's not like they've, it's probably at 500 or so uh, in, in terms of those kinds of uh, competition. And they've never won a national championship with it. So you need to have that kind of a system. And then you need to have the personnel, the recruiting that gets you to the premier level. That, that, that is the essence of Nebraska's uh, golden age was we had that basic power-based system. And then we had a golden age where we happened to have the athletes that were some of the premier athletes in the country. Uh, so to say recruiting isn't vitally important would be wrong, but to, to say it's the exclusive important thing, I would agree with you. You need more than that. You need somebody who, who has a philosophy and understands the importance of power football in, in, in Nebraska and is going to bring that mentality to their play calling decisions right and here's the last question i guess before we move on to the main football talk um scott frost is clearly the number one most talked about you know uh, potential coach for nebraska um it almost i think for some people it's almost going by like default or assumption that we're going to get him and mike riley is going to be fired and that's going to be that so what happens when bill moves you know fires mike riley and then you know, two weeks later, announces somebody totally different. You know, Scott Frost is doing something else. Well, How do fans and, and you know react what? to that? I, I think you are already correct. I think I think you are correct that that fans, if it's anybody other than Scott, will flip. I think a large number of people will be will, will assume that Moose didn't get his guy. That that Moose's first choice was Scott, and Scott said no, or something along those lines. Or even worse, Moose didn't even try to get Scott. And then he will be lampooned and no one will like him as our AD and we'll be waiting for the time frame to fire him as our AD so that we can get an AD in here who's going to hire the right guy. So, so at this point, I think you're correct that there's an awful lot of people that think Scott's the guy. Um, the better scenario would be uh, that if he doesn't really want Scott, that Scott gets hired by somebody else. And, and then we can say, well, Scott, Scott chose to go elsewhere. And then it's on Scott that he chose to go in a direction other than Nebraska, which frankly may be the right choice for him as a coach, you know, his own life, et cetera. Um, so, uh, but, but I want a guy that's going to bring a philosophy that actually has a chance of working here. And if Scott comes here, he's going to have to modify what he's doing at central Florida and what he learned, uh, out on the, uh, at Oregon, uh, if he hopes to be successful and supported, by the Nebraska fan base, because if you're going to do it at Nebraska, you damn well better understand the importance of first downs and you damn well better understand the importance of a power football power running game. And if you don't get that, that that's gotta be part of it. It doesn't have to be all of it, but it has to be part of it. Then you're, you're going to be in for a tough go at Nebraska. Cause every time you throw that ball 30 yards down the field on a third and two, Nebraska fans are going to be critical of you. Because because we have, you know, 35 years, uh, almost 40 years of proof that, no, that's a running down. You run that football, and it doesn't matter whether they know where you're coming. You still get it. Right. 
That's <laughs> that's the way we do it here. Right. And I'm sorry, but I just thought of another last question to go on to the last okay. question here. Um, sorry. Because no, no, it's fine. I, I'm just thinking of these good questions because um, I saw some people talking about like, is this the worst? Uh, is this like the worst Nebraska team we've ever had, or is this like the worst game we've ever had? Uh, you know, and I was thinking back to the season where Bill Callahan got fired. Um, you know, that was one that I lived through that was very rough. Um, well, but, yeah, but but people were saying, well, that at least that team had like kind of an offense. <laughs> you know, I saw these back and forths about that. I'm just like, oh man, like is this is this really like the nadir? Like is this? as bad as it's been in a long, long time? Well, I, I would have to say that that the closest analogy I would have is, is the Bill Callahan because I feel like the team has, has, has given up on the coaching staff to, to an extent. They're not, again, when you stop doing the fundamentals of tackling, when, when, when your effort level means you're, not, you're so late to the hole that, that instead of squaring up and being able to tackle the guy, you're... you're, you're uh, you're getting there so late that you're arm tackling the dude. And that happens over and over and over again, not because you're athletic unable to get there, but because your effort level and your, and your awareness and, and your instinct to get there is so slow because you're not really trying, you're not focused. You're not, you're not locked in, you know, there's a level of intensity and physicalness that you have to have going into every game. And I haven't seen it from Nebraska uh, this season, hardly at all, maybe early in the season. But frankly, from the Oregon game on, we have shown very little in that regard. And to me, that's a fundamental, that is a basic tenet of being ready to play a football game. And, and so I would have to say that this is as bad as the, the end of the Bill Callahan era. And those are the only two times where I could really point to it and say, I think the players aren't even trying, that, 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 that they are, and, and they're not even conscious of it. They, they would tell you, heck yeah, I'm trying. But, but if they really sat back and looked at the film and, and were honest with themselves about, am I really putting in every ounce of effort to get there so I can square up and make that tackle at the line of scrimmage and get low on that guy? No, I'm not. I'm hitting him high, and he's driving me for four yards. Okay? Now, I'm still getting him down, but now it's, you know, it's third and one instead of third and five. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so... That is the kind of stuff that I measure and say the team has stopped trying. Right. And, yep. and I think that this Penn State game has all the tenets of an absolutely embarrassing blowout. Yep. Which Unfor- may, maybe, uh, yeah. Yeah, which we'll give our predictions on that, I guess, here at the end. Um, yeah, shortly. Yeah. yeah. But before we get into that, um, we got to talk about this crazy week 11 of games. Um, we went over yeah. it last week. There was a bunch of big games uh, lined up for this weekend. Um, and uh, it, what was almost surprising was how lopsided some of them turned out to be. Um, uh, to start with, before the, the main weekend, there was Stanford-Washington, where Stanford upset Washington 30-22, which means now every team in the Pac-12 has at least two losses, uh, which severely hurts their chances of getting to the playoff, in my opinion. Um, where do you stand on that? No, I, I totally agree. When I saw that game on Friday night, I actually watched that game. And, uh, and yeah, I, I mean, it... Uh, I, I mean, I've seen Stanford look pretty crappy, <laughs> um, uh, but they looked like the better team for sure uh, against Washington. Um, 
you know, on Friday night. So, so, and that does, that puts the whole Pac-12 in a precarious situation because now they have a ton of teams all with that two-loss situation. And uh, so it's going to be a very challenging uh, decision process for the, um, the, the college football uh, playoff committee uh, because they're going to have a bunch of two-loss teams from these various other conferences, and then you're going to have a, some multiple one-loss teams from the SEC and uh, probably the ACC that they're going to have to deal with too. Yeah. Yep. Well, and we're going to talk about all the playoff stuff here soon enough. Um, yep. And then um, uh, this was a surprising one. Um, not the winner, but the margin, which was Ohio State, Michigan State, where they won, uh, I think it was 48-3. to like It was just a beatdown. Um, uh, you could tell Ohio State right. was mad after uh, losing last week. Well, I think... Uh, you know, I don't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast last week. I, I, I certainly, uh, I think I verbalized it to you, uh, maybe not while we were recording, but, but that uh, I was worried that um, Michigan State might uh, be susceptible to this. If you look at Michigan State's successes, you know, their record was very impressive, and they won some games against some teams they weren't supposed to, like Penn State. But the, but the fact is, is that they. Uh, uh, they had barely won a lot of those games, you know, and they were squeaking by Iowa and they squeaked by some people. Uh, uh, they didn't have those complete performances and they were doing it in, in a non Michigan state way uh, with throwing the football. They really never established that running game. And so then they got up against a physical team who could match up with their wide receivers and put a little heat on their quarterback. And they were in trouble, you know, and Ohio state's thing You'll uh, this, and I've, I've mentioned this before, and and this will have to be a subject for us for sure in the off season, which is this this ejection rule, and recall that in the Iowa Ohio State game, the best uh, and heart and soul of the Ohio State defense was ejected for a somewhat questionable targeting call. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and. Because he was removed from the team, that dramatically changed the dynamic of Ohio State's defense and their just their leadership when when things got a little tough for them. And so you 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 know you can't you can't overestimate that. And and so then next week, of course, that guy is wanting to redeem himself, and so is the rest of the team. And so Michigan State went into a firestorm. I mean, they were going to get. Urban Meyer and his team's best shot. You just knew that going in. And then Michigan State wasn't able to rise to the occasion, so it got one-sided rather quickly. Right. Yeah, so that was an interesting one. Um, and there were some other uh, kind of less notable but still you know, interesting games. Um, Oklahoma State, Iowa State was 49-42. Oh, they kept it close. Yeah. And Iowa State really should have won that game, darn it. And there was a weird, flaky thing it was it was legitimately an interception so i think the right call was made but there was an ended up being kind of a shared possession in the end zone uh, at the end of the game that would have created a tie if they had allowed the reception but they ended up agreeing that it was an inter- interception and a touchback as opposed to you know the opposite so um anyway it was impressive um to watch that game but uh also hard to watch 
because of the fact that it, it's frustrating when there's like no defense being played whatsoever. <laughs> everybody is scoring on every down or yeah. every possession. Yeah, yeah, it changes the dynamics of watching it for sure. Um, and then this one is interesting. Um, uh, Virginia Tech, who's ranked 17th, uh, lost to Georgia Tech 28-22, yes. um, which is Good partially game. interesting because it hurts Notre Dame's schedule because they beat mm-hmm. Virginia Tech earlier in the year. And then, of course, um, Notre Dame played against Miami, which was like the big game of the weekend, number three and number four playing – er, no, it wasn't that, but yeah. it was like number well, three, no, I, and, number three six. and number six or yeah. something. And, and now Miami's going to be in that four, top four, I guarantee oh, it. Oh, so. yeah. Well, because they, you know, 41-8, you know, they smoked them. It was twenty-eight nothing or 27-0 at halftime. It was right. it, pretty crazy to see just how yep. dominant they were. Right. Well, and and basically the, the team speed and the aggressiveness of, of Miami's defense um, was just could, they couldn't handle it. You know, Notre Dame was not ready to handle it. It, it was it kind of harkened back to the year that Notre Dame played in the national championship game uh, against, uh, I believe it was Alabama, and Alabama just ran them off the field. Uh, and there was such a stark and dramatic difference between Notre Dame and Alabama in that game uh, that you could tell that, you know, they were not in the same league kind of thing. They weren't ready for that level. And I think they got exposed a little bit this week for that same reason. They, they, they were not ready to handle that kind of athleticism that was unleashed on them in the you know, confines of a, an away stadium, you know, an away game at a hostile stadium. Um, very impressed uh, with how Miami uh, played in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is now setting up for a uh, very important ACC uh, championship game, I believe, because yes. Miami and Clemson are going to play each other there most likely. Um, right now, the, the, I mean, the ACC just has to hope like heck that neither of them stub stub their toe. They shouldn't, obviously, but but that they neither of them stub their toes so that they can meet in that ACC championship for all the marbles and. Um, um, because that will, that will be now, now the, the, my question is, does the committee then look at that as basically a winner take all elimination game that whoever loses that game is not in the final four period. It's just the way it is. Or are they going to look at that and say, well, you know, Miami doesn't have any losses. So if, if Clemson were to beat Miami, Okay, and, you know, assuming all that plays out, Clemson beats Miami. Now you have a Clemson team with one loss, but who is ACC champion, and then a Miami team who's twelve and one, and uh, or did they maybe they are eleven and one because nope. of a lost game? Nope, they're from, undefeated. Uh, they're, well, I know they're undefeated, but did they lose a week because of the hurricane? I just whatever it is, it'll be something in one, and um, um, and now you've got uh, a question. Do you put a Miami team that maybe, let's say, lost by seven points to Clemson in a great battle in the ACC championship game, and do you do you allow Miami to remain one of the top four, or do you put a two-loss Stanford or USC or whoever, Arizona, uh, from Pac-12 in there, or do you put a two-loss Ohio State who beats Wisconsin in the... Big Ten championship, for example. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, now all of a sudden you have a really difficult choice between that one loss team, and the same thing is going to be true for Georgia and Alabama. If Georgia was to beat Alabama, and now you've got a a Georgia team with one loss, that's the SEC champion, because they've already won their division, mm-hmm. even though they lost this weekend. And so what do you do? Right. You know? Yeah. Now what do you do? There's going to be a lot of interesting dynamics there because obviously talk about that. Uh, Georgia-Auburn was another one of the big games yeah. this weekend. And another one where... Um, Wasn't support, even close. Right. Yeah, Auburn was dominant the whole game, um, you know, for the team that they were ranked number one um, there. And yeah, yep. it was that was a surprise to watch. Um, and then uh, Oklahoma-TCU, uh, that one was a little bit more close, but 38-20. Oklahoma uh, holding on there. Baker Mayfield playing well. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin, Iowa. Wisconsin uh, won 38 to 14. Uh, those 14 points by Iowa are both scored off of pick sixes. Their offense just couldn't get anything going in that whole game. It seemed right. like that to me. To me, Miami was the most impressive game. You know, Auburn beating Georgia uh, was a, an impressive victory. Uh, but right behind that would be Wisconsin, Iowa just because of the way in which Wisconsin completely dominated that game. Uh, The score is not as lopsided because of those pick sixes, but, I mean, Wisconsin really controlled that game. Right. and then There there was no doubt who was winning, you know? Right. And then uh, this is one I was watching on and off at this bar, and then I was listening to it on my when I was driving back because I was down at the beach, so it's like an hour-long drive to get back. Um, And I started streaming on my phone when I got home, and... Uh, Bama, um, Mississippi State, um, because that ended up being a close game, and Mississippi State was actually winning throughout most of the game. But then I think in the fourth quarter, they got into the red zone, and they kicked a field goal instead of uh, getting a touchdown, which put them up by seven. They were up by four, so then they were up by seven. And I knew then that's 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 the death nail, because I knew right. that if you, if you really want to beat Bama, you need to get seven there. Um, Because now they can just tie it, and sure enough, you know, they did in quick fashion, um, and Mississippi State just couldn't get anything going, and then they really had a bad, like, clock management, Um, uh, you know, they threw a pass on their, uh, on their, when they got the ball back, which stopped the clock, and Alabama had three timeouts, so they were basically able to get the ball back and get close enough to get a field goal, or no, they actually ended up getting a touchdown and winning the game. Um, Right. So Mississippi State basically choked it at the end, and that was disappointing because if Georgia and Bama had gone down in the same day, I thought that just would have been amazing. Oh, that would then it would have been one, two, and three because of Notre Dame. Yeah. So it would have been one, two, and three. You know, that would have been incredible. But um, but anyway, no. Um, but, it, it you know, certainly a game like that, uh, you know, I almost wish it hadn't happened because it didn't end up in a loss because that's the kind of wake-up call that Nick Saban needed to get his guys refocused for this stretch run. You know, I was hoping that, that he would actually experience a loss uh, when, uh, and not get the wake-up call while being able to win. But now he got the best of all worlds. He was able to wake up his team, because I guarantee you, uh, Nick Saban is licking his chops about being able to review that film today. He, he is going to have fun today with his team. And they're going to come out with literally fire coming out of their ears next week and the week after that. 
and the week after that. I mean, the, pretty much from here on out now, Alabama is going to take it to another level. Guarantee it. Because now Nick Saban has the evidence he needs to prove to those guys that you're not unbeatable. You're not God's gift to the world. But, but, but you can be really, really good, and here's what it's going to take. He's got their attention. Right. So it's the perfect scenario for a coach like Nick Saban. Yeah. No. Uh, I'll tell you. But so, as we've pointed out, great, great weekend of, of really significant games and significant matchups. I mean, this was the poster child for the college football playoff to suggest and point out that all of these games were so very significant and the positioning for those final four spots uh, it was huge for all the schools involved and all the fans and, you know, everybody who follows the sport. So uh, what a great weekend of college football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now diving into the, like they said, the playoff aspect of it. Um, uh, I'm just going to ask you, what do you think? Who's going to be one, two, three, and four? Um, well, this come, this week, come Thursday, it'll be. Um, I've got mine. It's going to be Alabama. It's going to be Alabama number one. Yep. It's going to be. Um, um, let's see here. It would be Clemson, number two. Mm. Um, I believe um, Miami and Oklahoma. Right. Uh, would be three and four. And uh, and then on the outside looking in is going to be Wisconsin, probably at either five or six. And I'm missing one team. Uh, Trying to think of who it would be. Well, so let me lay out mine for you. Um, okay. I'm I'm actually changing up a bit. I'm saying Bama one. That's obvious. Um, Miami number two. Clemson number mm-hmm. three. Oklahoma number four. With then Auburn, Wisconsin, and Georgia somewhere in that five, six, seven arrangement. I'm not exactly sure. I personally, I would put Wisconsin at number five since they're still undefeated and they had a good win uh- over Iowa. Um, yeah, but but their but their resume still is is not as impressive. But that undefeated now weighs uh, more heavily, and so I think they have to be ahead of Georgia, and they have to be ahead of Auburn because of that undefeated. Well, I, I think I think it's between Georgia and Wisconsin because Auburn already has two losses, so that would be really crazy yeah. if they were above Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So, so. yeah, I, I I hadn't even thought about Auburn. So that right. they had yeah. Well, I I feel like they have to be behind Wisconsin. Because I saw I I had a thought of it, but on ESPN's thing they were talking about who's in, who's out, you know, at the playoff. And they said that if Auburn wins out, which is going to be tough because they're going to have to beat Alabama, Alabama, and then Georgia <laughs> in the SEC title game. Um, but if they yep. could do that and having uh you know beaten they would beat Georgia twice then. Um, having beat them once in in dominant fashion, <clears throat> even right. though they have two losses, um, then they would be probably be into the into the game. Oh yeah, you know, I, I would game. I would totally agree. I um, would totally agree. So I think that's that's definitely interesting. Um, do you think Notre Dame's just done now? Now they've got two losses, non conference. Yeah, I I do. I I think it's going to be tougher without a conference championship game, and 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 Notre Dame knows that. That, that they have a little bit less margin for error because they don't have that conference championship game to reestablish themselves with. Now, Notre Dame still does have uh, – now, have they already played Stanford? See, I think they they play Stanford either this week or next week. Uh, yeah, it's not not this week, so it must be next okay, week. Okay, so it's the following week. So so that is a, uh, that is a game that, that I think still has to be played. And so um, – you know, that'll be another quality win for Notre Dame. So 
there's still some things that could happen that, you know, chips that could fall that would uh, lead to Notre Dame getting in. Like Georgia would have to beat Alabama in the SEC championship game and be one of the four. And then, and then I would say Miami would have to win out and be uh, one of the four. And then, um, and then maybe Notre Dame slips in there uh, because of an impressive victory over Stanford. And then Stanford wins the Pac-12, okay, uh, would be valuable for Notre Dame too. So if you had all those things happen, then Notre Dame could get in. Right. But short of that, I don't think you're getting into the right. Final Four. Yeah. They're still up for a really good bowl game, though. Yeah, and it also, and it also seems like with the Pac-12, like we said, unless things go really crazy and a lot of teams lose here near the end, um, I can't really foresee a scenario where a two-loss Pac-12 team will make it into that top four. Um, yeah, uh, well, and I think uh, similarly, if uh, all the chips for the Big Ten, I think, rest with Wisconsin. Yep. Because uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. I would say that Ohio State's resume is significantly better than a Pac-12 team with two losses resume. You know, um, assuming that Ohio State wins the Big Ten with two losses. Right. You know, I guess it, it would depend on what Iowa does, and. Um, and um, right. who else did Ohio State lose to? Oh, and Oklahoma. Right. You know that, right. Th- those those two te- teams would be critical in how Ohio State is viewed. Well, and by was, that by the end of the season, thinking that if it's Ohio State from the Big Ten and Oklahoma from the Big Twelve, then because they also have two losses, uh, or no, actually Oklahoma is one loss, um, I think. So, but no, you, Oklahoma has Oklahoma has one loss. That's right, correct. Right. Right. Uh, so let's just say for uh, the sake of argument, though, that they lo- lose again, but they win the Big 12 uh, title. Um, so you have two two lost teams, but Oklahoma has the head-to-head over Ohio State. So I think in oh, that yeah. scenario, then Oklahoma would get in and Ohio State would be oh, left out. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're looking at Oklahoma, uh, Alabama, probably, um, and then an, SEC, uh, an ACC school. Uh, and possibly two ACC schools, depending on what happens with Miami and and Clemson, right? You know, or two SEC schools. I I think it's a very good chance that unless you have an undefeated Wisconsin winning the whole thing, I think I think the Big Ten's left out and the Pac-12's left out and okay. Notre Dame's left out. So and I think I think the ACC or the SEC gets two. Interesting. So you think if if Wisconsin loses to Ohio State in the championship game in yep. the Big Ten? And then we have Oklahoma from the Big 12. Um, and then we have the, you know, uh, Georgia beating Alabama and then uh, Clemson beating Miami. So everybody has one loss, at oh, least one God, loss. Oh, God, that would be awful. So yeah. you, you think there's – I don't know. I feel like just for for the sake of the, the wider college football landscape – they would not allow for it to just be two conferences getting two teams. Um, uh, I think no, they might do that with one. They might have yep. you Alabama and Georgia. It would Georgia, be the SEC. But... Now they would lean SEC, and they would end up giving Alabama a second chance, like they've always done. Uh, and it would be Georgia, Alabama, and then Clemson in your scenario, and and Oklahoma. Those would be the four in that in that scenario you just played out. Now you're not going to get two ACC and two. SEC and then nobody from the Big 12 and nobody from the Big 10 
and you know nobody from the Pac-12. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Right. Um, yeah. No. That, I, then there'd I mean, be riots just, for a, a, a you know the, well the, the way that the, the way that happens the way that happens is is that Oklahoma gets to the Big Twelve championship game and then loses and the team that they they lose to is already got two losses like you know that kind of a scenario. So so you got a two loss uh, Big Twelve champion, a two loss Ohio State Big Big Ten champion, and a two loss. Uh, Pac-12 champion, and then you have a bunch of um, one-loss SEC and ACC teams that barely lost in their conference championship games, let's say. That would be the scenario that you're talking about, and that would make it tough. But I I think in that scenario, they would either choose the Big Ten champion or the Pac-12 or the Big 12 champion and call it good, you know. Mm Yeah, that so, that would be a crazy scenario though if that played out. Yeah, it would. That would. Be, it would. And I was it saying would make it, it would, tough for the committee, and it, and it would make you know just increase the calls for making it an eighteen playoff and all that stuff. Um, yep. But then looking ahead to week twelve, um, the because we had such a packed week this week, um, there really aren't that many big matchups. Um, the biggest one that I saw was Michigan Wisconsin, uh, which is going to be a yes. big game for them. And their yes, chances, that, and that is uh, game day. Now, yeah. is that at Michigan or is that at Wisconsin? Do you know uh, there? You got that in front of you? I don't have it in front of me. I can look it up here real quick. Um, the other game, well, not... I can do that. I can do that. Yeah, you go ahead and do that. I'll look it up. Okay. Uh, the other um, game, and this is just more as a rivalry game, is USC UCLA is um, next week. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at the schedule, uh, it's really a lot of, you know, middling teams playing each other or the bigger teams playing lesser teams. Um, so, um, yeah, we've, so we've laid out our, our, uh, predictions for the playoff rankings. Um, I'm going to write down what yours were again. You said Bama one, two Clemson, three Miami, four being Oklahoma, Right, and then I yep, had that's correct, and I had mine. So we'll see who's right uh, when we do this next week. Um, yes, and then we have to give our predictions for the Penn State game. So how how bad are you thinking? Um, the Penn's oh gosh, <laughs> I I honestly think we will struggle to lead, to keep them under sixty. I think it's going to be another fifty four fifty eight to 21 type of game. I think we're going to get embarrassed in a big way because I, I just, I don't see um, um, unless all of a sudden uh, there is a team meeting with our seniors and they gather the team and they get those guys ready to play uh, with anger and intensity again. uh, And maybe we could put a little bit more fight uh, on it, but this is a game where we are, truly outmatched in terms of physical talent. And then the effort level is just going to be a whole different level with Penn state versus us. Um, and, um, it's not going to be pretty and it's going to be senior day for you know, last game for Barkley and, and some of these other guys. I mean, it is going to be an ugly situation. Yeah. You so you're saying 54, 21. Yep. Okay. I'm going to say, uh, 63, 17, 
<laughs> even worse. Even You're worse. going even worse. Yeah. Okay. And it is at Wisconsin. So that's a big deal because that, that, um, that helps Wisconsin with that Michigan game out. Although I would not put it past you. You're talking about two great defensive teams. Uh, Wisconsin or Michigan, Michigan's defense is very good. Wisconsin defense is showing itself to be outstanding, but, but you can't, uh, you know, don't underestimate Michigan's defense mm-hmm. and Michigan now has a new quarterback who's starting to come onto his own here, that young Peters uh, fella. And um, and so they might have a few tricks up their sleeve. And don't doubt that Harbaugh wants this one bad, oh, really, yeah. really bad. So I would expect to see Harbaugh pull out the stops for this Wisconsin game. And Wisconsin might be a little susceptible because they, they have had a lot of injuries. Wisconsin has really overcome an enormous amount of injuries um, through the season, and it might catch up with them in this game. So I'm going to predict a very, very tight game and one in which Michigan wins in, in the game against Wisconsin and blows this thing up before it ever gets the conference championship game. I see. Well, I'll just for the sake of it, I'm going to say it's close, but Wisconsin wins. Okay. So we'll, we'll see. Now, I, I feel bad about that since that's my alma mater again. You know, I ought to be – I ought to be – you know, getting all excited about them. Uh, but doggone it, I made a decision when we got into the Big Ten that I, I couldn't root for both, so I had to pick my loyalty, and I and I stuck with the Huskers that have been my love my whole life. So it is what it is. Yeah, I, I don't think that was too hard of a choice for you. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, but, so. All right, well. But I, I, I sure enjoyed rooting Wisconsin on when we were in different conferences, though. Yeah. Yeah, then you could then you could justify it. Um, so yeah, this is uh, this has been a good podcast. We covered a lot here. Um, it's going to be interesting to see you know where we stand next week if Mike Riley is still our coach or not. You know, and uh, the playoff. Uh, you know, I don't expect the playoff discussion to change much unless there's some big upsets um, this weekend. Which that's the thing with these sleeper weekends. You always assume that things are going to go predictable, and then sometimes there's a big upset or two. We had that earlier this season as well. So you never know what's going to happen with college football. Absolutely. That's why we love it. That's right. All right. So uh, if you all out there enjoy this podcast, you can email us at huskerpete13 at gmail.com. You can find us online at Potomatic, uh, footballthrowdown.potomatic.com. You can leave us a comment there. Um, check out our podcast. Or you can find us on iTunes. If you search for college football throwdown, you can leave reviews, ratings there. Let us know what you think of the podcast. And uh, I wanted to thank you, Dad, for being here with me for this episode of College Football Throwdown. Absolutely. appreciate it very much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and so is there a – somehow we've got to find a, a quicker way for folks to be able to find us on iTunes and stuff so they don't have to remember that long name. Maybe we got to come up with a three-letter acronym and modify this thing somehow. So you and I will have to discuss that offline. All right. (laughs) All right. We'll do that. So until next week, go Big Red. Go Big Red. Red.